and welcome to the uh, Lines Up by Donkeys podcast. I have almost forgotten what this podcast is called because I woke up at 5 th- 5.30 a.m. this morning. I'm Joe, and with me is Liam. Hi, Liam. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Yeah, uh, I'm recording this uh, uh, at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard, uh, which is so funny. So I, I got done playing Warzone with my friends at, at 9, and I was like, oh, uh, I have no idea what to do with myself for the next hour. Because it wasn't like I was going to text you and be like, yo, get your ass up like at 5.05 a.m. your time. Like, I'm trying to record, bitch. <laughs> Don't worry. I have my phone silenced while I'm asleep. It is pure uh, bliss. That's, yeah, I do the same thing. Except I have I have um, a couple people who are like exceptions to the rule. Like uh, my parents. Is it my dad? I figure if my dad's calling me at 1.30 a.m., someone's probably dead. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't know like enough people. Uh, if, if my mom was calling me at 1 a.m. and it was an emergency, there's really not a whole lot I could do about it. I'm on the other side of the world. Yeah. Paddle real fast. <laughs> I, I am in a landlocked country, Liam. Where am I paddling to? <laughs> uh, down, down to shut up, spill. <laughs> oh, oh! Am I able to get my clothes from the toilet store while I'm there? Uh, anyway, <laughs> Liam, it has been. Uh, uh, also, I, I have to say the joke once uh, to be an insufferable dick. I'm coming to you from the future because it's Wednesday here. In case you're wondering, the future still sucks. Um, it's not good, but the weather's nice. I mean, I'm I'm happy for you, given that I have been. What's the uh, the temperature like in Fahrenheit where you are right now? Like I know it's early morning, so it's probably cooler, but uh, mid sixties. Uh, the nice Fuck breeze you, coming off dude. the mountains. It's been ninety five yeah. in Philly every fucking day. We have central air, and I feel, dude, I'm just sitting in like not even what can be described as ball soup. That sucks. I, dude, I've been just sweating it out for like a week and a half. Uh, isn't a, I mean, you know, thankfully a guy, uh, I can't, fuck, I can't even use this joke anymore because there's no guys with pickup trucks here. I was going to say <laughs> a guy with a pickup truck told me that it snowed uh, this winter, so climate change is a liberal lie. Uh, so I don't know what your guys' problem is. Cl- climate change is a liberal lie, but also I'd like my balls to remain attached to my body. Speaking of which, how's your ball hernia going? I don't have a ball hernia. I told you that. Yes, he does. Yes, <laughs> you fucking do. dick. Uh, uh, related to the ball hernia. Yes, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, Liam, it's been a long time um, since we've talked about uh, a solidly dudes rock kind of guy. Yeah, I got to I got to tell you, uh, the the guy who kidnapped his own, this episode is not out yet, but the one we did a couple weeks ago where the guy basically forced his crew into a misadventure to say the least. <laughs> the Wilkes Expedition. It'll be out yeah. by the time this episode comes out. Well, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Wilkes Expedition is not dudes rock. It's just guys I sort of feel bad for. <laughs> You know, I, I I propose a dude's rock spectrum, and that is like you can be a good dude's rock, like a chaotic good, a chaotic bad, a neutral, etc. You know, like D and D. Yeah, a little alignment chart. Yeah, and we like we did a two part series on Baron Ungern von Sternberg, who is obscenely evil, but you cannot deny he is solidly dude's rock. Um, oh yeah, he's chaotic evil. He's just yeah, like yeah. a super villain. Yeah, I would argue that he's like orderly evil. That's the worst kind, know. man. It, can we have a mix of the two? Because like he was feeding men to wolves, but also he believed in like a strong central government. <laughs> what are you gonna do? You know, it's nice, nice, crisp brown apartment buildings. Also, there are wolves. Yeah, you remember um, the uh, all gillied up mission from uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare? It kind of looks like that. 
Is that the one where the, you, you shoot no matter what you do, you pro guys arm yeah. off? Okay. Pripyat, yeah. Now, the guy that I'm proposing today is someone I believe is uh, Dudes Rock for sure. Um, so the guy we're talking about today, I propose uh, to join our Dudes Rock club. However, I'm not sure where he lands on the spectrum of Dudes Rock. And I think that's something we'll have to discuss in part two. Isn't this guy just a total wackadoodle fuck from what you told me? Yeah, he's nuts. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, he's he's British and this is World War One, so people would definitely describe him as, you know, eccentric. Eccentric, yeah. Or, or or I don't know, touched or any other weird British term for crazy person. Um because he was an officer, so you can't just like use pleb words on him like crazy. Right. But you know, on, on at the end of part two, we'll have to discuss where on the spectrum of dudes rock he lands. Um, because I mean, Belgian Congo is involved here, so like it's not a it's not a good thing, right? Um, though I will say with confidence that uh, he never owned slaves, <laughs> so he's got Woo! that. <laughs> Welcome to the Lions Led by Donkeys, where we have the lowest bar in human history. Yeah, it's it's subterranean. Now, to do this, uh, uh, around this guy, uh, we're going to talk about the weirdest and probably most pointless battle of World War I. Um, and it was led by a good old-fashioned brain-damaged British military officer of yore, uh, lieutenant commander and eventual commander, though he at one point self-proclaimed uh, a, a rear admiral, Jeffrey Spicer Simpson. Oh, we got to stop with the self-proclaiming guys. <laughs> yeah, two in a row, baby. Um, Navy guys love some flags. Um, actually, weird, weird sidebar here. But uh, at the current moment, this I believe this episode is going to come out in August. Um, we are in July recording this. And I'm watching the, um, uh, the Alex Jones uh, defamation trial, uh, which oh, is yeah. streaming on YouTube. Not that this will help anybody when this episode comes out. Because I'm a huge fan of Knowledge Fight. Like, Obviously, I've had Jordan on the show before. Right, right. Um, but I didn't know that's actually what the term false flag came from is, is naval warfare. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Learn, learn something new while, while laughing at Alex Jones's misfortune. Uh, and the defense attorney who just is so goddamn ill prepared. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's gone through so many of them. Yeah, that's true. Now, uh, I have to, we're going to describe uh, Spicer uh, Simpson variously. Uh, now, in the books that I use, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second, he's variously called a braggart, a liar, a madman, a terrible officer. But of all the things he was called and were undisputably true is that he was the oldest man with his rank in the British Navy because they refused to promote him. Oh, free my boy, dude. Um, now, to get to this point, we have to discuss the background of the Great War and Africa. And uh, now, this is uh, the the... Uh, asterisks here this is not an exhaustive history of, of of german east africa or the world war one campaign that uh, uh, that tore through africa that'll come at some other time uh, now uh this this campaign is uh is full of uh, absolute monsters uh so it, it will eventually be talked about but this is about a very specific battle uh mostly because i really want to talk about spicer the battle is unimportant as hell uh, and to be fair, the British government thought the exact same thing. This is not, this is not me just disregarding something I don't care about. Sure. Uh, now, uh, for the sources, uh, we used uh, Giles Fodden's Mimi and Toto's Big Adventure and uh, Edward Pace's Tip and Run, The Untold Tragedy of the Great War in Africa, which 
good God, read both of them in a row like I did for the greatest whiplash and tone that you've ever heard of in your life. Like Giles Foden wrote The Last King of Scotland. So like he's great prose, very readable, um, not to mention um, you know, Spicer's story in general is kind of lighthearted because barely anybody even dies. Um, like it's hardly even a war story and more the, the story of like uh, kind of a brain dead adventurer uh, mm-hmm. where like, you know, paces tip and run is about, you know, horrible colonial war and genocide. <laughs> so yeah, read them both tomorrow like I did and just like have your brain be spun around inside your skull. It's great. We've told before how Imperial Germany founded uh, its colonies in Africa. Uh, not this one, uh, but uh, German East Africa was slowly taken over by Karl Peters and the Society for German Colonization in the mid-1800s. The same, it's the same kind of thing that happened in Namibia back in our Namibian right. genocide series. Um, <laughs> Peters eventually formed the ominously named the German East Africa Company. Uh, oh, no. Don't yeah. want to see a company. Never want to yeah. see a, a nationality and then a company after that. Hey, you can bet who he modeled that off of. This is part and parcel of how the Germans kind of colonized Africa. They, these would all be private holdings. Then Bismarck would piss and moan, pretending that he didn't want German colonies. And then he would end up uh, like absorbing them anyway. Nationalizing them, basically, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know, turning them to official colonies. It, it was just... It, it was all politics by Bismarck to absorb a bunch of Deutschland freebooters. But yeah, I mean, it allowed him to do shit at arm's length. Like I, you see, I simply had no choice. Our colony, our German citizens were under attack by the British or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now what would become East uh, German East Africa encompassed a massive swath of land uh, that would include most of the African great lakes region, uh, which I assume means culturally they're just like Michigan. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Rwanda, huge about hockey, uh, you know, um, but today that would be Burundi, Rwanda, Tanzania, or Tanzania, if you're British amongst other places. Um, like the, the landmass was three times the size of Germany itself. And this Jesus is Germany. Fuck, dude. At, this, this is like the Reich at its biggest before they became Nazis. Cause obviously that would eventually right. encompass a lot of things that it didn't right now. So when Europe imploded over inbred monarchs beefing over turf, it should be no surprise that they eventually ended up dragging in all of their colonies into this mess, despite the fact none of the people who lived there did not give a single fuck or even know what was going on in Europe. Sure. Outstanding work. Now, without going into the uh, the blindingly evil concept of colonial war, uh, because I, f- I feel like anybody listening knows how we feel about this subject. Uh, it's not good. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Bad. Um, someone recently left a bad review that said like these guys, uh, critical theory of history boils down to more racism. And I'm like, yeah, because it yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not sorry for it. Uh, I really like feel like me? the same, the same guy is curious about states rights to be completely honest. Yeah. Well, um, states rights for what? States yeah, exactly. rights for what? Motherfucker. <laughs> um, now, uh, for ex- the, the reason why that these colonies were important, obviously, is wealth, uh, right? But in the case of World War I, manpower. Uh, like the population of, of German East Africa was around 7 million people. Oh, uh, good. Bodies for the wood chipper. Exactly. Uh, and the, yep. the, white, the white population, ah, 10,000. God damn, dude. I hate this shit so much. Yeah, you could accurately call them overseers. 
they did mostly the, the colonial administration, ran the uh, the mineral extraction process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you know, it was right next to German East Africa. The genocidal playground previously owned by Belgian King Leopold II. Oh, God. And uh, now, uh, because even the 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 story of 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 the Congo Free State and then Belgian Congo is one of the most depraved stories in human history. Uh, but at one point, it was it was literally King Leopold's private personal thing. colony. Was, yes, yes, it was not owned by, by Belgian King Leopold's ghost. Yeah, it's it's real good. Um, and uh, eventually, what he did there was so horrifically evil that like. It was taken away from him, kind of like he, he was pressured to give it to the Belgian government. Uh, and that then it became Belgian Congo, which is what it was now. Granted, I need to, I need to be very clear here. That did not make things better. Um, no, I, I wouldn't expect that. I figured this was a like, <laughs> hey, you can't be that horribly depraved to black people. Only we can be that horribly depraved to black people. It kind of was this weird thing of like, okay, but legally. Like weird white man's burden shit. Kind of, uh, and it was like this weird, like legal gray area of like, can he personally own this fucking gigantic piece of Africa? Like, um, because he wasn't, you know, totally in charge of uh, of Belgium. So, like, you know, anyway, it's Belgian Congo now. It's still terribly monstrous and and, and unspeakably evil. Um, but you know, because of that, they were you know colonial bullshit. They, these two people would be forced into war against one another, despite the fact that they didn't care uh, about what the reason was why. Um, they had other problems, like you know, getting food um, because they were being ruled by Belgium and Germany. Genocide with war. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a problem. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert. Or racism. Another, yeah, mo genocide. Um, God, that feels like once you get a PhD in genocide studies and you wear uh, like a trilby and you tip it like magenocide. Magenocide. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. Uh, I did that to myself. No, uh, uh, yeah, you deserve that. Yeah, I deserve every bad thing that's ever happened to me. You do not, you fucking baby. In between the two colonies is Lake Tanganyika, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. I have a, a pronunciation. I've heard it as Tanganyika. I think you're pretty Tanganyika. close. Yeah. I, like I've even watched tourism videos and stuff from the area. Uh, I'm just bad at words. Uh, now, it's it's a pretty large lake. It's the longest freshwater lake in the world. Mm -hmm. And I need to be clear here, really no military importance whatsoever, because again, it's a lake. Um, you know, uh, it, the reason that there, it became important simply is that the Germans put a navy there. So that meant the British wanted to get rid of Interfere with it, right. Like now, of course, like you know, there's more a little more to it. We'll talk about later. Like it's quite literally a red versus blue situation. Um, if you've ever watched that, the the old uh, the old, I think Rooster Teeth made it. Yeah, shorts about Halo. Where like, why do we have a base in this pointless valley? Oh, because they have a base in this pointless valley. It, like honestly, if if Germany never plopped a navy down in it. I don't think this battle ever happens. Uh, I don't think Britain ever tries to. Uh, that to put a scene navy from Borat where he's talking about his neighbor. It's just this, but a naval battle. You see, I have navy. My neighbor has to have navy. He's pain in my assholes. Yeah, military history is fucking dumb, isn't it, folks? Uh, now, before anybody gets mad at me, I will lay out the very dumb perceived military importance of this lake and the entire East African campaign. For starters, of course, the Allies wanted to seize German colonies for themselves. It was a power play, which, of course, happens after the war anyway when Germany's defeated. Secondarily, 
the British knew that if the Germans managed to have uncontested control of, you know, the African front, they could do the same thing that they were doing, you know, for example, in India or other parts of their colonies, which is ship all of these people into the like the meat grinder of Western Europe. Right. You know, manpower wise, that's bad. However, even with that, everybody was very, very aware of how largely unimportant this whole East Africa campaign thing was in the grand scheme of things, which also meant this mission was not exactly rating very high on the priorities list. Like sure. so, so much so that first sea lord, which you know, I obviously not a big fan of uh, the British uh, Empire. Their first sea lord slap. is actually okay. Yeah, first sea lord sounds like like if I was to write a book where Poseidon was um, like uh, a villain, but for some reason I would get sued by I don't know Mount Olympus if I used the word Poseidon. Uh, sure, you know, like I would name him the first sea lord. First Sea Lord. Um, yeah. So First Sea Lord, Lord Henry Jackson, really wanted to bring bring the war to the German colonies and stop this from happening. However, kind of like in our bonus episode about the show show, but you can't, like he wanted to do this, but he also didn't want to take away anything that might impact the Western Front or anything else. So this whole mission would have to be, you know, this whole mission has to be slapped together with bike parts. Right. That's good, dude. It saves weight, dude. That's right. Uh, He couldn't send the A team. He couldn't send the B team. At this point, even the C team was in the trenches. We're talking like like end of the alphabet, maybe S. (laughs) That's right, baby. Enter Jeffrey Basil Spicer Stimson, uh, the man who was team. There you go. S team. Yeah. He was born in 1876 to a a large family and a fatherhood and naval tradition. He had been a uh, merchant marine who uh, had been an India-based gold dealer. Um, uh, that which, doesn't sound very ethical. And, yeah, this is the 1800s at this point, so you can you can assume he was a real bastard. Uh, old Spicer Simpson, uh, or, or, or Simpson, or, or, or Spicy, as his friends called him. Old his spicy. friends call him Spicy. We're calling him that. Old Spicy. Old Spicy Sides. Most people don't know this. This is where uh, Old Spice gets its name. This is what he smelled like. That's not true. No, he smelled like piss, dude. We can all be honest. He smelled like piss. (laughs) Uh, He joined the Royal Navy when he was 14, which we've talked about a bit before how normal that was back in the day. Um, And it quickly became obvious to everyone around him that, you know, spicy was, you know, an old timey word for crazy eccentric. I looked up another British word for it. Barmy. He was a bit barmy. barmy. He was barmy, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, uh, he was nuts. Uh, I believe the phrase you want in in an effort to be... uh, non-judgmental here is uh cuckoo bananas that's right uh crazier than a shithouse rat uh was the medical definition <laughs> yeah um <laughs> never heard of that one that's a good stay i'm taking that now he wasn't like i will say since we've already talked about baron von ungern sternberg he was truly insane um like he did shit that made sense to nobody where it seemed like simpson thought everything that he did made people like him and i need to be clear here Everybody who met him hated him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel sad now. <laughs> not, not much is known about his like mid uh, mid tier life in the in the Royal Navy, though he was covered in tattoos, which was very uncommon. Super for the day. rare, right? 
Yeah, I mean, there was there's a ta- there's a naval tattoo tra- tradition, but that's mostly enlisted men, not officers, which he was. Uh, now there are mostly snakes and butterflies and skulls and shit across his upper chest and arms, and he loved to show these off at all times uh, to include like the middle of dinner parties. Like he would tear his shirt off at random. I feel to like show I'd like anybody. this dude. <laughs> I feel like I'd like this dude. And like he would do it seemingly out of nowhere, and you know, like this was not normal. Um, not to mention, you know, ripping his shirt off in public. Like he was a less ripped Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist, but covered in tattoos. Another reason why it's hard to pin down the facts of his life is that Spicer lies about everything, uh, everything, everybody, and especially himself. He's like if L. Ron Hubbard had actually served in combat. Like it, it's really like he did do some rotations into China during the Boxer Rebellion. But there's no real evidence that he saw any combat. Like he has like service ribbons from the Boxer Rebellion. He didn't really talk about it. Uh, he talks about like adventures in China, which like we'll talk a little bit more about that because there was just like a, a series of, of of dumb shit that he does that gets him in, in continuously more trouble. He did mostly like river patrol duty and surveying. Um, but you know he he spent a lot of time in China where his rice soup is. He, his brain melted uh, further. Doing God knows what with some opium. Yeah. Oh, probably that. That would actually explain a lot. Uh, oh, okay. Well, cool. Great. Happy to help. Nobody during the adventure in Africa notes that he 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 did drugs. So I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, he did he did drink, but like he was an officer in the navy. So did everybody. Yeah. Now while he was tearing his shirt off, he would tell wild stories about each tattoo uh, where he, and where he got them. Though he couldn't keep track of his stories, so they would change from time to time. And he, would t- and he would tell people who were there with him in China a completely different story that they everybody knew it's completely made up, and he was full of shit. He would get in arguments like this is mostly in uh, Mimi and Toto's Big Adventure, but like. He would get in arguments with everybody to include experts in a subject. Like at one point uh, on a boat, he gets in an argument with like the head astronomer, uh, astronomer of uh, of like South Africa, of about where like the stars are in the sky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the enthusiasm. I guess at no point does this man ever admit that he's wrong for any reason. Uh, he just Good insists him, that he's you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> He also always told incredibly unfunny jokes, uh, and uh, he, mood. <laughs> he would, yeah, and, and he would laugh at them, which means you know he'd be fine on this podcast. Um, but he would also randomly break out into song. Oh, we don't do that. No, um, and I need to point out as well: uh, all of this happened in what was described as a high-pitched, nasally voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like my dad singing. <laughs> he sounds like Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy while singing, but like he's British. What if Pete Wentz Wentz was somehow more annoying? <laughs> wow, I don't like that at all, man. <laughs> Like I said before, anybody who spent any length of time around him fucking hated him. So, okay, we've talked about officers before who were just bad at their, uh, like, just annoying bad people, but they were good at their jobs, right? So, like, obviously, Spicer is too, right? Also, no, he's not good at his job either. Good, good. Why be good at your job when you could just suck at it, dude? Somehow he destroyed at least three ships. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. So, during his lower rank, a time in the lower ranks of officerdom, he nearly killed his entire crew on a survey mission of the Yangtze River. How do you and, kill your entire crew on a survey? 
he, I think he got like beached or like yeah, he uh, he hit a sandbar and nearly flipped over uh, in, the, in the like the raging river, which would have killed That's, everybody. Yeah, Jesus, man. Um, and then he's almost sank two different destroyers while in training. Uh, with, by by smacking him into one another. I love him. I know he's a piece of shit. I love him. <laughs> I don't even know if he's a piece of shit. He, he's just kind of bad at his job. Uh, in another training exercise at the at the at the Portsmouth Harbor, uh, he ramped his ship onto the beach and got it stuck in broad. Oh it. hell yeah, dude! Um, he also crashed his ship into a supply ship, uh, and it sank. Dude's fucking rock. So of course he failed upwards because World War One happens, right? Like we, as we've talked about before, if it wasn't for things like World War One or the Civil War, a lot of these guys wouldn't be officers, right? So when World War One starts in 1914, he got his uh, he he left his first command. Uh, he's still in command of a ship, but he left the HMS Niger, um, anchored off the coasts uh, and uh, dipped out because he had a he had a dinner party scheduled with his wife and some friends at an upscale restaurant that's right off the coast. Oh yes, yes, you told me this. Um, now while he was there, having I don't know whatever upper class naval officer dinner looks like, getting drunk it's and doing weird. Yeah, get it doing weird things with each other. Uh, the German <laughs> a German U boat surfaced and then sank his boat, uh, and he watched it go down from a nearby uh, window. Unfortunate, yeah. just like swirling his whiskey in his glass, watching his ship sink in the harbor. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, that's no hmm. good. Wonder whose problem that is. Oops, did it again, boys. Uh, by 1915, he had been court-martialed twice, oh. and he. <clears throat> He almost certainly would have been thrown out of the military if it wasn't for World War One, and they needed naval officers. Um, however, still by in 1915, the Germany's uh, the campaign in Germany East Africa was not going great for the British. Uh, German leader and noted psychopath, who we will talk about at length on his own series, Paul von Litau Vorbeck, uh, which Dude, sounds like a sociopath. Uh, he's German. All, all German names yeah. sound like that. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, he's one of those people that, um, he's often championed as like this crazed, like eccentric, but insanely successful guerrilla leader. But like, he was a genocidal insane, like, like genocidal monster, um, caused horrible famines by design, slaughtered villages, that kind of thing. Well, dude, I'm so surprised that a German would do that. I mean, this is before the Nazis. So like when you hear the Imperial Germans do that, normally like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> like this this is normally reserved for the 40s now uh he had been running circles around the british like his, his reputation as as being military successful is earned i'll give him that much however come on now now the first sea lord held a meeting with a guy named john lee uh now john lee was a hunter in africa and he had experience in like the great lakes region uh, he was not in the military and uh, it, you know, he, he had good relationships with local tribes. One of them was the most important one. In the story is called like the Holo Holo tribe um, in um, uh, British held areas. And, well, they're they're kind of in both because they're tribes. They don't really give a shit about borders. But um, yeah, through this process, uh, Lee said that the Germans had plopped two steamers, uh, which are boats. I understand by saying plopped and steamers. It sounds like they took yeah. a shit on the lake. Uh, yeah, I did not do I that was, on purpose. I was, I was hoping for a poop joke. Sometimes you write things down and only realize how ridiculous they sound when you say them out loud. Uh, but yeah, they plopped two steamers down uh, under military command in Lake Tanganyika. Now, the, these were not; these were mostly repurposed, like civilian steamers, transportation ships. That you know, you oh, slap sure. some plate armor and cannons on there in, in a lake where 
you can then use them for fire support from the shore. Like it's a bad. Uh, this gave the Germans full control of the lake using the formidable, at least for a lake, steamboat, the Hedwig von Wiesmann, uh, which was, you know, quite large. Ghastly name. Yeah. Well, again, German name. They all sound that way. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the British had nothing to contend with it. Lee told the Sea Lord that, you know, it might be pretty easy to take these ships out. It's not like they're, you know, fucking dreadnoughts or whatever. Right. They're and just control lake, the entire lake. lake. Boats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they could get some ships over there, just like the Germans did, and 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 bring combat to them. And the British currently had none. Of course, this brings up a small problem. How in the hell do the British get a navy in the middle of a lake in Africa? You cannot sail it over there. Build it. Kind of. I mean, so Lee told them it, that was easy if you had manpower, which of course they did. Because the Germans had already done that. The SMS Graf von Goetzen had been built in Germany, disassembled, packed into over 5,000 crates, and shipped uh, across Africa to the lake where it was transported over rail to a shipyard and then reassembled with the help of thousands of local laborers. Uh, and since this is not Belgian Congo, I feel comfortable calling them that, not slaves. Uh, <laughs> his plan was simply to do the same exact thing. Uh, however, their whole plan rested on Belgian Congo and their limitless supply of slave labor. Oh no, not my limitless supply of save, slave labor. <laughs> Lee said if they, if, they, if they shipped two small motorboats and armed them to South Africa, which of course is then owned by Britain, uh, loaded them onto trains, lo- brought them up through Africa into Belgian Congo, they could, then could bring them overland via tractor through the goddamn mountains this feels overcomplicated. They could then drop them into the lake and go to war. And since these motorboats are so small, they wouldn't have to pause and assemble them like with thousands of, of people like the Germans did. You simply drop them into the lake. The Germans don't realize it because they're very small boats and then go to war. Now, are the motorboats related to the steamers, Joe? Uh, de- depends on how much money you got. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Now, this plan, despite being uh, charitable... Cuckoo bananas? Cuckoo bananas, <laughs> yeah. Uh, was agreed to. Yeah, of course it was. It's World War One. Almost <laughs> immediately. Like, the, the, sea, the first Sea Lord was like, uh, was like, yeah, sure, why not? He said, quote, it is both the duty and the tradition of the Royal Navy to engage the enemy wherever there is water to float a ship, which is, is fucking pointless. Like, that's not how war works. You're supposed to float over things that are tactically important, not just... No, shut up. Lake. I'm sorry. Are you for Sea Lord Joe? That's, That's crazy. Right. Remember how you yep. got demoted? Yeah, I, I, I only made it to fifth Sea Lord. I, I was only Lord of like the, the, the weird kind of gross lake that was behind my, my, my neighborhood. The weird like diggies the Coast Guard insists I'm not like 50 cows on. Hell yeah. No, that's too good for me. Like, you know how everybody grows, at least in the Midwest, there's lakes everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and like everybody knows there's one lake. He's, don't swim in that one. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the one I'm in charge it's of. Your lake? Okay. Yeah, that's my lake. I'm I'm like yeah, the, the 16th Sea Lord once removed uh freshwater oh, bureau. That's tough, man. I hope you get a promotion soon. Yeah, uh, it won't happen. It's fine though. Uh, I'm fine get, sitting here and getting Lynchman ISS. <laughs> <laughs> However, the Sea Lord realized that this mission is uh, you know, a bit of a gamble. Uh and he wasn't sure who to put in charge of it. So uh, he punted it down the hallway to his subordinate, Sir David Gamble. Uh, now, Gamble 
much like the Sea Lord, uh, who I will insist on in calling the Sea Lord, uh, understood that in the, in the grand scope of, of World War I, the Great War in Africa was a sideshow. Uh, it was lacking any real tactical importance because everybody knew the war would be won in Western Europe. And, uh, you know, he didn't think that seizing this large colony of Germany was really all that important. However, he winning any military victory morale-wise is a good choice. So he, he wanted to do it. However, he would have to pick someone with a comparable lack of importance to lead it. Uh, so Gamble wanted to pick Lee, the hunter. Um, you know, the whole thing is your idea. You showed up here with it. You already came from Africa, so going back is no loss to us. Right? Why not? Get in there, champ. He was a civilian, uh, and oh. he, the rules up to us, like you can't just put him in charge of a naval mission. Though they did make him second command, uh, so they sure were trying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now they're trying to find a marine officer to take the command because it seemed suitable. There'd probably be you know landings on the other side of the lake. You know, there'd be infantry right, right. skirmishes, whatever. But None of them wanted to do. Uh, none of them wanted anything to do with this mission whatsoever. Also understandable. No, sir. I'd rather just go get minced meat in the fucking, uh, you know, See, wherever. I'm going Tom. to the Somme. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather go like huff uh, mustard gas for fun with my lads. Um, just a nice huff with the lads. Yeah, that, that's actually where the tradition of whippets come from in in, uh, in the UK. Is sure. Not many but, people know that. Yeah, the the great grandfather's love for for huffing spicy air. <laughs> the lads, gotta say, with the lads, with count. with the with the lads. Uh, now, in a nearby office, sat old spicy, functionally unemployed within the Royal Navy, sitting behind a desk in the intelligence branch, where he had been relegated since losing his ship at a din- at a dinner party. <laughs> it just makes me giggle every time. His job was like had something to do with uh, liaisoning, uh, uh, liaising uh, with the merchant marine. Though he didn't really oh, have that much of a job. Yeah, uh, like I guess he was a bit of a secretary or whatever. Uh, now he overheard Gamble talking about the mission, so of course he rushed outside and volunteered for it. Gamble was like, "Dah, fuck it, why not?" And Spicy got the job. <laughs> now in charge, Spicy had to find a crew, and much like finding him he couldn't get active duty people he had to like mostly get dudes from the reserve people were exempted guys, from active service people that he lads. could pull yeah he, he, he had he had to go fill a dinghy with lads um unimportant lads who were not previously being used now uh however he swore all of these men to secrecy uh because there was you know a lot of german spies uh right in in, in england at the time so he's like don't fucking say anything uh, there's German spies everywhere. So, of course, he then went home and told his wife about the mission. And then she shared I it with everybody that, else. Man. Yeah. So, secretly, the secrecy, not the best for the mission. Um, now, what about the men he recruited? Clearly, these were, you know, hard lads, right? Uh, hard for, lads, for the, yeah. The big men were hard. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the, you can't... If you look at the realities of the mission, you do need some dudes who are quite resilient. You're going to be marching over land through the jungle... Dying in, in droves from malaria or whatever. Uh, well, for starters, no, that's not who he recruited. Uh, there's a doctor, because um, he recruited a doctor uh, who was a washout like him and kind of like, I don't, I couldn't find any information as to why he got fired from previous jobs. However, uh, killing patients. Maybe. Uh, Dude, nah. It's like 1950 and he was killing <laughs> some patients. 
Yeah, but that wasn't frowned upon back then. It's like, oh, That's you've only, true. You've only no, my killed bad. 10 patients. Here's a ribbit. His name is Dr. Hanschel. Um, and I think one of the reasons why he had found himself in an office, uh, like riding a desk rather than like out on the front or whatever, is that he was suffering from a seemingly incurable case of dysentery. Uh, it had been going oh. on for years, um, which isn't you know, completely uncommon. I think it's like amoebic dysentery that happens. However, it did you know, make him occasionally shit his own pants. Hate to say it. Got a doctor. Now, the other men recruited were previously retired, exempted from military service or regular uh, regular Navy service and were been relegated to the reserves. All of them were at least some form of Naval Reserve uh, and it included a travel agent, a race car driver, a, le- a lieutenant at the age of 50 who had never been promoted and insisted on wearing a monocle. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he did find because these were motorboats. He's wearing going to be steamships, right? So he had to find people who actually knew how to work on motors. One was the race car driver, uh, and the other was noted for being a quote prickly Glaswegian, which I just assume is everybody from Glasgow. It's um, just Alice. Yeah, it's just Alice. Alice is World War One. There was uh, another person who uh, probably faked his death for a hundred dollars in insurance money once. Oh. Dude, this is a fuck. Remember the scene from His Glorious Bastards? <laughs> I'm assembling a special team, and it's just guys. <laughs> there were two Scotsmen, uh, one who had his finger blown off at the Battle of Ypres, uh, who Say volunteered. Yeah, he's more uh, dynamic without it. Uh, and, and they heard someone over here. They heard someone talking about the mission at a bar. Again, secrecy. Who needs it? Uh, they insisted on only wearing kilts, which. That's the that's the least weirdest thing of anybody in the crew does. I do kind of respect that, though. I mean, it uh, allows air to get get all up in your in, uh, in your grundle parts. You know, <laughs> grundle parts. Uh, not related to the steamer or the motorboat. Somehow, now there's another guy who's honestly the weirdest to me. He was uh, noted for being young, so I don't know why he got away with just being in the naval reserve. But he also insisted on calling his wife mother. Stop it! I hate that. It's like Mike Pence, man. It's fucking gross. Uh, I don't know. Like it, it's. Oh, I hate it. Um, now, one of the important thing. Now, one of the most important things is to get his two motorboats. They were forty feet long and made of mahogany. Uh, he named them officially the HMS Cat and Dog. Um, to which Love the it. Royal Navy Love said, it. "You can't name them something that stupid. Rename them." Pathetic. Why? Yeah, that's the. It's the Royal Navy. I don't know. They didn't want to like. That's lame as shit. No, feel the feel the cat and dog. Uh, so he he actually named it something even funnier. Um, he named it the Mimi and the Toto. Uh, now Spicer picked those names to spite the Royal Navy after shooting down his first one. And he claims that he spoke French, and he claims that Mimi meant meow and Toto means bow wow. So he still named them cat and dog. Uh, then the, Why not, the, man? the Royal Navy is like, sure, fine, that sounds great. Uh, and they were both uh, armed with like three pounder Hotchkiss guns, uh, machine guns, uh, and stuff like that. It was decided that they should probably test these weird overarmed uh, motorboats uh, before they left and found out, you know, in the, in the throes of Lake Tanganyika that they don't work, right? So we should probably sure. t- test them. Uh, they go over to the River Thames uh, and they fired the three pounders. It snapped off the boat and cartwheeled into the, into the river. Uh, they had to be oh, replaced. Hell yeah, dude. They had to reinforce like the gun mounts and like, all right, that should be considered good. Let's go. Um, the boats are loaded down with personal weapons, a bicycle for some reason, as well as tons of tinned beef. Uh, and Spicer made sure to have special dress uniforms made for all the men by his own design. 
uh, which for some reason included bell bottoms. Uh, perfect. Um, I kind of got nothing for that one. I'm going to be honest with you. Except the Scotsman who still refused to wear anything but their kilts. Which again, I respect. Yeah, I'd rather wear a kilt than bell bottoms. Yeah, me too. I've worn a kilt before. Or yeah, a kilt to my I mean, eighth grade dance. Were you, were you, were you uh, Michael Flatley? Uh, no, I was trying to impress a pretty girl. And, you know, this is going to shock you. Didn't work. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. I mean, I mean who, whom's amongst us has not worn a dress to impress a woman? You know, it wasn't a dress. It's a kilt. Yeah, it was like thousands of years. Show some goddamn, <laughs> goddamn respect, Armenia. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. That's all I can it's ask. Not, yeah. It's not even that ancient. All right. Now, it's the small ancient. boats were, were loaded up onto a transport. Like they were put in like this weird uh, block and tackle thing, uh, loaded up onto a transport ship, and then sent off in June of 1915. But uh, they left all their medical supplies and food behind. Whoops. That's no good. Also, nobody had packed a map. Uh, they they solved this problem later on uh, with a, something that's honestly kind of funny. But uh, instead of planning for this upcoming mission, because Spicer had not planned yet. He didn't plan for shit. His, his job was putting... His, I am so goddamn surprised this man wasn't very good at planning or anything shocking, else. Shocking, you know? I mean, at this point, Spicer's like career arc in regard so to the context of, in the context of this mission was effectively like that part of a heist movie where he's like, I'm putting together a team. Like, yeah. Know? Such that it is. Well, he didn't actually play like all of the planning was being done by Lee, who was already in Africa. Uh however, right. like he so he spent the entire voyage on this ship getting blackout drunk and telling everybody made up uh stories about his time in China and like his 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 fighting that he'd been doing in World War One up to that point, which of course, as we know, he hadn't it's been bullshit. Yeah, and all of this is happening while he's shirtless and swinging his sword around. He had an officer's yeah. sword. It wasn't it was his rock. dick. This sounds he's like rock. it was probably his dick. It wasn't his dick. He's right. Also claimed that he invented the entire mission plan and got and had got it greenlit personally from Churchill, uh, from Churchill, like in a in a man in a mono mono meeting because Churchill respected <sighs> him so much. Um, the Churchill's first Lord of the Admiralty at the time, and of course he uh, he had to approve of this. Uh, plan before he was, you know, forced to resign from the whole Gallipoli thing. Right. But, like, of course, it didn't happen with, like, a personal meeting with him uh, at all. Um, uh, Lee was the one doing all the planning, uh, and everybody knew it. Like, everybody had met Lee. And so, in order to counter this, Spicer, demote, like, threatened to demote anybody who said it was Lee's plan. Oh, come on, you fucking baby. There's also the time he almost blew up the ship on accident. Uh, he, he began yeah, smoking. Up ships. Yeah, he's, he's a huge fan of accidentally killing naval vessels. Like, at this point, he's like the anti-naval officer. Um, like A ship uh, killed his dad when he was a kid, and he's been trying to get revenge the whole time. So he was smoking uh, near the ship's, uh, near the, the, the motorboat's engines, uh, like, so that they were loaded on the ship. Stop They're doing, doing that. They were testing the motorboat's engines, which required them to be started. And because this is like 1915, these engines kind of suck. They give off really bad gas vapors, uh, which, of course, are flammable. Everybody knows this. However, he insisted because like the captain of the ship that they are riding on starts yelling at him, like, put, the, put your fucking cigarette out. You're going to kill us. Uh, right. To which he does not put a cigarette out, but insists that gas vapors about? cannot form on a ship. Uh, that's wrong. Yeah, it's doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, so the captain of the transport ship had to threaten to like detain him to get him to go away. 
Um, yeah. Oh, uh, about those cigarettes. This is probably my favorite part. I don't know. This is like one of those small details that honestly makes it uh, just underlines perfectly the kind of guy he is. His cigarettes, he smoked at the end of a, a long stem like the penguin. Or a French woman in the 20s. Yeah. Uh, and each one was personalized with his name. He had monogrammed cigarettes. Okay, that's actually pretty fucking cool. I want monogrammed cigarettes. <laughs> like from all, somehow he managed to bring so many monogrammed cigarettes. It's noted that by the time they finally get all the way to the lake, he's still smoking them somehow. Like I don't have no yeah, idea man. how many fucking cigarettes he brought. It's a lot. Yeah, gotta be prepared, Joe. So they finally get to Cape Town, South Africa, in uh, nineteen uh, July second, nineteen fifteen. Every single person in the mission uh, fucking hated him. Um, hates him by this point i assume yeah most of them also hate one another which happens to all military people when they're in small enclosed spaces if for a long long period of time however that didn't change anything it didn't make him like maybe i should do this differently Uh, and because the people in his crew were talking about lee so much like oh i wonder how lee's doing in africa like has he got because like at this point lee is organizing everything He's organizing the entire overland trip that they're about to make, like what trains they're going to take, whether where their, where their switch offs are going right. to be, where they're going to sleep. When they get to Belgian Congo, he arranged with, you know, feudal slave owners, uh, uh, feudal slave owning Belgians to build roads for them because there was no roads. He was doing all of that while these guys were like getting tanked on this ship. What's personalized cigarettes? Monogram with, with, with monogram cigarettes, yeah. Um, yeah, like like the like the girl from Fooly Cooly. Um, now, uh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to explain that one. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, that joke is for again about three people. <laughs> uh, and so he gets to South Africa, and he's getting furious at this point. Uh, Spicer is almost like you know the guy. They get so mad, like their face just turned red and they shake. Like he's doing yeah. whenever he hears his was- name. Like whenever he hears Lee's name, that's his reaction, because like he's so mad that Lee is getting all of the credit for, and rightfully so. Like he's doing everything, um, but they do manage to find a map. Finally, they stole one from the local museum. Um, so they have a map. Yeah. Now the ships are loaded onto the train, uh, brought through what is today Zimbabwe, uh, formerly known as something else that won't be named. Uh, rest in piss, motherfuckers. However, uh, uh, these are do good. check out uh, the latest W two IP uh, about. Yeah, it. oh yeah, yeah. Well, it won't as be a, latest by the time this episode comes out. Yeah, yeah. it fucking might be, bud. <laughs> Going on a month long hiatus. Um, now, uh, you're a train guy, uh, 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 as your Sorry. podcast fa- famously says. You know, trains good, cars bad, which I'm not arguing with. Uh, but you know, tell me what happens when you when you when you load flammable wooden boats. Onto the back of a of a train, like the cargo, it's inevitably blow up. <laughs> um, and it's a coal powered train that throws sparks. Just the tastiest scenario imaginable, really. Yeah, uh, it, honestly, if almost a topic for your other show, uh, because and oh, yeah. to his credit, Spicer kind of understood this was a problem, um, so he fixed it in what is the most British way possible, and that is by almost getting his men killed again. Well, this guy just loves doing it. He stationed his men standing on top of the boats, armed with brooms, and then like batting away sparks. Like, sparks sweeping the sparks. Yeah. Okay. And by the end of July, they're in Elizabethville, um, which is inside Belgian Congo. 
Uh, and it was there he finally ran into Lee, uh, where Lee uh, gave him a folded briefing and like a full rundown of what exactly they were going to do to get through the overland part of the journey. Like, because they're not going on trains the whole time. They're about to get to the part where they're going to Fitzcarraldo crawl this motherfucker up a mountain. And Lee has been planning for that four months at this point. So, of course, Spicer orders Lee to go back to South Africa because he's facing criminal charges. Oh. <laughs> the criminal charges are completely made up. Uh, yeah. Okay. Spicer accuses him of uh, violating operational security and letting informa- information out and uh, telling the Germans. Um, and weirdly, the charge of insulting the Belgian flag, <laughs> which I need to be clear here. I feel like that should be mandatory rather than like criminal. Charge. Yeah, like, the Belgians are the worst. We all know this. <laughs> Actually, the reason why I, I, I'm joining you, normally I'm like, God, you just hate every country, and you do. But um, I do. Recently, I went to a trivia night here in Yerevan, and uh, we lost by one point. And the answer to the question that we got incorrect that cost us the game was Belgium. So now I also have a feud with Belgium. There you go. See? Yeah. Doesn't it feel so good? It's not my fault. It's not my team's fault for not knowing that. It's Belgium's fault for existing. Doesn't it feel so good? Feels so good, doesn't it? Uh, so he was given two charges, uh, both of which made no sense. Uh, the insulting the Belgian flag one is quite funny. Um, now it is funny. Maybe he did insult it. I don't know. I mean, he's British. He probably insults every flag he sees reflexively. Uh, and you know, Lee correctly points out that you know if the Germans know anything, it's because of you, or right. because you know, when, when we landed in South Africa. You know, with large motorboats, the German spies in the area saw it and watched you load it up on a train and knew where that fucking train went because it's not like you're going to get lost on a railroad. Yeah, you can't really redirect. (laughs) (laughs) That train goes to fucking Belgian Congo. (laughs) Kind of the point, actually. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, of course, none of that matters. And not to mention, Lee's like, what about your wife, bro? We all know that she told everybody. Uh, so he ends up leaving. It, Lee kind of disappears uh, after this. Uh, he returns to South Africa. Um, I doubt he's actually charged with anything for reasons that, like, the British government's also not like, exactly no, he's all spicers. Right. Yeah. He just kind of vanishes from history. Uh, I can't, like, Mimi and Toto's big adventure, like, the author, Giles Foden's like, yeah, I really can see, I can't even find a death certificate or anything. Wow. I mean, th- there's a good chance he, he, he dies during the war. Uh, of course. Oh, yeah, um, good point. Uh, but none of this matters. Uh, Lee's gone, even though he... Like, remember, he was second command of the mission, uh, which, le- which leads Spicer to command everything like a dictator. Uh, and by August, they're even deeper into the Congolese jungle, still by rail. Um, and a, a weird uh, uh, historical side note here, this is the railhead uh, where Cecil Rhodes once attempted the Cairo project um, and failed miserably. Now, this is where the boats were, were, were to be offloaded and they'd go uh, into, uh, you know, Fitzcarraldo mode. Um, there had been no roads at first. Uh, that's where Lee came in. He worked at the Belgian Congo administration to scratch out roads because the Belgian Congo only built roads for the purpose of resource extraction. Outside of the, like, the various municipalities of this massive colony, they built very little to zero infrastructure unless... It, it was directly linked to uh, resource extraction, presumably. Yeah, yeah, dragging diamonds out, whatever, bringing them to the coast, getting them out of the country, a uh, rubber, or whatever. 
Um, if it was like, you know, the the local villagers would really like the, a road here, like, nah, that's not how we do things. And that's why when, you know, Congo got independence, they were famously fucked uh, on top of various other reasons. Um, so all of these, you know, auxiliary roads that wouldn't otherwise existed had to just be scratched into existence. So it's like single track dirt roads because um, they had, you know, only a couple months to do all this. There was also the entire uh, Mitumba mountain range that they would have to cross, <laughs> um, oh, which is a problem. Easy peasy. Yeah. I, it, all of this for the grand total of 150 miles. Jesus. Now, all of this seems quite insurmountable. And for any, any sane person, it may have been. But Lee had been really well, good. That's not at, what we're talking about. <laughs> right. We got to pay rent, Joe. Uh, some credit needs to go to Lee um, for doing a lot of the organization and like bribes and whatever he had to do with the Belgian Congo, like feudal Lord system um, to get them to work. Of course, a lot of this involves massive amounts of Congolese slaves, um, which, you know, so you do not in fact have to hand it to Lee not on second thought. Um, at one point he's working with a man who's only noted as being named as uh, Mr. Davidson, uh, who, I don't like over, that. yeah, he ruled over an area like a fiefdom, which is also super common. It goes into like the license purchasing practice that the Congo that the Congolese uh, the Belgian Congo had, where if you ran a company or you were a rich guy, you could lease out this huge chunk of land, and the Belgians would just give it to you um, and let you right. do with it whatever you wanted, uh, and they won't ask questions. So, like, Seems you know, yeah, certainly nothing evil happening here, fellas. Um, uh, he owned thousands of slaves. Uh, at, at one point, at least 1,400 slaves were working on this project to level uh, areas, cut down thousands of trees, which, of course, then they can then use for um, the ch- steam tractors that they plan on using, which uh, virtually trains themselves, um, building hundreds of bridges, stuff like that. Um, this never happens without Lee. Not saying it's a good thing, but like, you know, in, in the context of the military mission, it's a good thing for so it could be complete, I guess. So that's where Spicer shows up, where all of this has already happened. So, of course, he takes credit for all of it. Um, of and seeing, seeing these slaves busting their ass uh, and getting ready to, to help pull all these boats through, he decides that the, these are a perfect, willing audience um, to have his men dress in their dress uniforms he had purposely made for them and parade through the labor camps of slaves and, uh, and like Get in and ceremony. But okay. Think of it this way. Have you ever seen a better portrait of, of a British military officer than an asshole forcing a group of people to that, that absolutely hate his guts to march around in front of slaves? No, I mean, that's perfect. That's pretty much on the nose, right? Yeah. Now the crux of the plan required steam tractors and draft animals, as well as human bodies. To pull the ships down the roads, um, and you know, in a, in a perfect world, this goes smoothly. Um, but you know, this uh, goes smoothly. This is lines yeah. love my donkey. So yeah, it, actually, it all goes smoothly. The end. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, yeah, but uh, the steam tractors didn't show up on time. Uh, now, the easy answer to this is simply wait for them to show up, right? Um, but you know, that doesn't happen. Hundreds of slaves. And draft animals get lashed to these boats via ropes, and they begin to just drag them down the road. Um, now, as you can imagine, this goes very, very slowly with the added benefit of damaging the boats they were supposed to, you know, 
used to fight this whole used thing. Used to fight the right. This went on for a week until the tractors finally showed up. Um, at this point, like the you know the, how they're in like a a, a carriage, like the uh, like a, a box type thing. Most of that's broken by now uh, because they've been handling these, these boats terribly. Um, along the way, uh, the slaves had also built hundreds and hundreds of small bridges, uh, like we talked about. However, like there's because there's tons of rivers and valleys and you know right. Uh, however, there's a small flaw in the plan. Nobody involved in this is an engineer exactly. Um, and I, I Mr. Don't like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucked the bridge. Uh, and Mr. Davidson, uh, in his assistance, Mr. I fucked the bridge to you. Yeah, Mr. I fucked the bridge. Uh, ordered the slaves to build the bridge. Uh, build the bridges, and you know the the overseers over like coming up with the plans only built these bridges and designed these bridges to account for the weights of boats and the men, not the tractors. Oh, that's outstanding work, boys. (laughs) That's terrific. They busted straight through that motherfucker. Um, So, chalk that up one setback. So, then they had to wait to rebuild that bridge. Other teams got sent ahead to reinforce the other bridges. Um, So, yeah, they made it about six miles down that again. Uh, and then the, the the edge of the road collapsed, and then when the tractors flew off the road into a bush, uh, bringing one of the boats with it. Standing work. Yeah, uh, great stuff all around. No notes. Oh, yeah. um, no notes. Honestly, one of my favorite parts uh, is they found themselves in the middle of swamps. Occasionally, these are like super fast moving swamps. I don't know how oh, to explain sure. it. Um, like sand, like, maybe. It, well, it would rain a lot. Um, and then swamps, like you'd get suddenly swamps, <laughs> like, and it, they would be so deep, it would, uh, take over the road that the, that had previously been built for them. So they'd have to stop because they couldn't bring the tractors across this, the soft muddy road. They just get stuck. So they'd have to stop the slaves would have to build a big circle road that goes around the current swamp to get around it only in time for another swamp to come in. Um, and of course, we're talking swamps in the jungle, so malaria. Um, now, I should note here that uh, nowhere in Jal's phone's book does it note that any member of the crew dies. Um, what is Incredible. unknown is if any slaves died, because yes. if they did, Please nobody would have noted it. It seems exceedingly likely. Um, though I couldn't find any accounts, uh, even in the stuff that Spicer wrote of any slaves dying. Uh, he probably would have written about it. He wasn't that he he wasn't he's was an idiot, but he wasn't like he didn't think of these people as subhuman, at least not in his own writing. Right. Um, so who knows? Uh, I'm gonna say the if I, if I was the eight ball of doom here, I would say it seems likely. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go. It seems likely. Spicer had also forgotten the small detail of getting food from the camps. Oh. Boy. Uh, so they were forced to go hunting, which. Uh, I need to be clear here. He was not very good at. Uh, no, most people no, in his crew also were not good at it because only here. It's almost like they could have kept you know Lee around, who was noted for being a hunter, uh, and you know, maybe oh, fuck that, that, that word's a plan, Joe. Yeah, the the the, the African uh, laborers and slaves uh, took mercy on them and showed them how to harvest like cassava and stuff. Um, and shared their food with them. However, this had a small downside as these most of these guys had never been out of England, let alone been to Africa. And their, oh. guts, their guts were not prepared for anything other than boiled meat and beans. And this shit just ran through them, causing, you know, like dehydration and stuff like that. And there's also the problems of the steam tractors themselves. 
Um, they would require burning wood to move, uh, of course, steam. Um, and they'd get out of the swamps, right? So they're, they're out of the swamps. And after this, they're in like tall, dry grass country. The, the steam engines would occasionally throw off sparks, just like the train we talked about, and cause massive bushfires out of nowhere. Terrific. <laughs> um, one of the men on the crew named McGee noted that on a couple occasions, they were almost all killed by a random wave of fire. Like, what a hell of a way to die. Uh, and just there's so many cartoonish ways to die in this, this mission. Um, well, if you don't drown in the swamp or get murdered by falling equipment, you might get killed by a wild appearing fire Something. that we caused. I don't know. Wildfire? Uh, within 10 days, they'd gone only 30 miles. Uh, remember, they have 150 miles to go. Not ideal. It's not good. Though, at some point, uh, a man in the crew, nicknamed Tubby, uh, I don't oh. know why. Uh, you know why, Joe. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not going to make any assumptions. Uh, had managed to acquire a pent chimpanzee named Josephine, uh, who followed him around, which is kind of fun. That Josephine fun. seems nice. Yeah. I feel like that's the only fun we're going to get in the rest of the story. <laughs> Honestly, Josephine stays pure throughout the entire thing. Uh, I, like it's always comic relief. Which that's another thing is like, if you didn't know this was a true story, you would think it's like an over-the-top adventure novel. Because now they even have a chimp sidekick. You know, there's a small side episode where uh, Spicer, attempting to prove his hunting expertise, nearly got murdered by a buffalo because uh, he tried to shoot at it and he missed. Um, then he. Now, mind you, he he spent a lot of this time telling people all of the great hunting he had done in China, um, and then grabbed a rifle to go hunt a buffalo. While he was also doing the Boxer Rebellion, fighting the Boxer Rebellion. Yes, yes, of course. You know, um, so while he attempted to get, uh, while, while he had uh, attempted to bag a buffalo, he missed entirely. And but to be fair, buffaloes. And like Cape buffaloes, particularly super dangerous. Um, like if you try to hunt them, like they kill a ton of people. Uh, which like good, stop trying to shoot them. Um, if, if you're like, if you're like a tour a big game tourism hunter, fuck you. I hope the animal wins. Me too. And uh, yeah, he had to run. Uh, he ran away from this buffalo who wanted who wanted to like clap him, uh, and he <laughs> hid behind a hill. Um, and that hill ended up being a gigantic red uh, red ant hill, which then uh, attacked him, and he got attacked by a cloud of ants. Tasty. Um, and then going along with the uh, the concept, this might be a stupid adventure novel. They were followed by a gang of baboons who would come out and occasionally just punch the shit out of someone in the group. <laughs> <laughs> like it's noted in the book that they quote assaulted him. Uh, or the assaulted people <laughs> in the crew. So, like, it's not like they threw stuff at them. Like, if if they had shit thrown at them, like, they would probably like the monkeys threw poop at me. But like, when you say assault, it, it, it tells me that they like came screaming out of the bush and just started beating. Yeah, the that's shit a specific people. use of a specific word, right? And I know which one I want to believe. Even the jungle hates the British military. By by Who September. Yeah, I mean, it's like the jungle is is neutral. Like, uh, for, you can call it many things. It doesn't care for anybody. Um, like, one of, the, one of the things that was interesting t- uh, to me is um, when I was researching, way back when I was doing my undergrad, I was doing research for, like, the Battle of Dien Bien Phu. And, right. like, com- ca- comparing and contrasting, like, the Viet Minh to the NVA later on in the U.S. war in Vietnam. 
and like the the memoirs and notes left behind by the Viet Men mm-hmm. and the NBA and like uh, VC and all that. Like all of them note how much they hate the fucking jungle. <laughs> like this shit sucks. I am so sick. It's I'm hot. so tired. Oh, I have I've had malaria for sixteen years. <laughs> so yeah, like the jungle is at best neutral. Um, so by September, they were finally at the foot of the uh, Matumba Mountains, which they immediately found uh, a problem with their plan. Uh, despite the fact that you know things had been cleared out to make room for their convoy of misery here, uh, the slope of the mountains was simply too steep for the tractors to make it up. Uh, like yeah, so it's like okay, we're gonna do this uh, the old-fashioned way, and by that I mean, of course, slaves attaching slaves and oxen to it. Uh, and admittedly, like, granted, there's only 28 people in the whole crew, but the crew also joins in, not counting right. Spicer, of course, because he's an officer. Um, so 30 oxen and, you know, hundreds of people were still not enough. Uh, but they, mm-hmm. they struggled inch by inch over 6,400 feet of mountain before they finally <sighs> got up the top. The way down was somehow worse uh, because, you know, at least on the way up, you're pulling it, right? Like, assuming the ropes don't break right. this time you have to control you have to push and pull yeah and this time on the down slope they don't have the strength to slow them down um they broke like when the tractors broke off the chains went flying down the mountain uh they lost the boat on one more than one occasion just like tumbling end over end <laughs> somehow this didn't kill anybody that i can find evidence of incredible uh, yeah uh though it does seem like the entire expedition at this point had been a continuous series of close calls. Like yeah. so many things that could have happened so mm-hmm. far would have been like catastrophically bad. Uh, mm-hmm. But somehow they, they managed to keep the bad to a dull roar. Um, Cause like, like I said, I had no evidence of anybody dying so far. And I need to be clear here. Nobody in this crew dies. Amazing. The mission. Yeah. I do not. So like, yeah. Uh, Germans die though, but that's next episode. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, sorry. Thankfully, uh, for everybody involved, the other side of the mountain was one of those areas where uh, there was resources. So there, ha- there was a railroad through Diamond Country. Uh, so they just had to load the heavily damaged ships or boats uh, onto Everything the train. Everything's fucking fine here, boss. And just like six planks fall off. The boats are fucked at this point. Uh, so they finally get to the uh, Lualaba River. Uh, where part of the plan was to actually like float the uh, float the the motor boats down the river and you know actually use them and they did of course they're completely unfamiliar with the territory so they have to hire someone sure I have a comic book to be their guide uh, he's a Danish guy who worked for the Belgians uh, despite the fact he was standing in a sweltering jungle he made sure to wear a bright white suit no matter what he did oh like, boy. That guy's a fucking super villain. That's, that's I don't. I don't trust bad. anybody who's wearing like a. I don't trust anybody in a white suit, and I certainly don't trust anybody in a white suit in the middle of a jungle in the middle of a slave fiefdom. Or I don't trust Danish people. I'm kidding. I, I don't yeah, know anything about you guys. I'm sure you're fine. Nope. Um, this episode has just been a running list of European countries we're trying to offend. Good. Good. That Actually, be every episode. That's, that's every episode. Yeah. <laughs> we're kidding, guys. We love you. Um, yeah, we. We doing a lot of work there, but uh, Liam Liam hates everybody. Don't take it personally. Uh, now, at this point, they were finally able to use the uh, the boats 
like as they are meant to, to as as boats, like jump in them and, and see them float. Right, going into water. At this point, they did discover how badly damaged the boats had been. There was countless holes smashed in all of them, all, all two of them, but like tons of holes because they've been handling them with all of the grace of a UPS delivery guy. Um, so, yeah, I was recently spurned by UPS and I have yeah, a grudge think- against them. They fucking broke my goddamn box. Fuckers. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So another setback. They had to drag them out of the water and repair them. Uh, however, the heat and the humidity of Africa had also caused the wood to warp. And now the boats are melted. They had to effectively take the boats apart plank by plank and reseal them and like put it all back together. This took them another week. Uh, and they are finally able to be off again, though Spicer was a little worried about using the boat's engines. Um, I mean, again, it's you know, the early 1900s. A boat engine isn't the, the most... Technically sophisticated thing. Yeah, it's not the oh. most reliable thing on Earth, you know? And you know, going so far as like, I really don't want to break these motherfuckers before we even get to the lake. That's me sure. giving him the most charitable thing. Uh, it could have been that he didn't want to use them because... Uh, Spicer reasons. I don't know. He's weird. Um, so yeah, they were afraid. attached to uh, barges, uh, which had Congolese paddling teams, and you know, he his boat was towed by those boats. So of course, then they got stuck on a sandbar. Uh, they got stuck so Jesus bad they were stuck there for Christ. a week. Um, they came up with a. Um, admittedly, the boats were uh, quite heavy because uh, remember they were loaded down with like cannons and shit. Um, so they had to devise a way to make it float higher up on the water. So they attached a whole bunch of empty barrels around the side to give it more flotation. That worked. Like I can see the Magic School Bus episode by that logic. Yeah, I, I, I remember when Miss Frizzle took the kids to Belgian Congo. <laughs> it got pretty dark, but you know what are you going to do, right? And, uh, you know, if that wasn't enough, they nearly were murdered by a hippo. Uh, and uh, yeah, they finally they they got to the other side. The boats were hauled out of the water, loaded back onto trains, and lo- and they went on their final stretch of their very stupid journey. Now, while at the edge of the river, Old Spicy sewed together the flag of a vice admiral, which was a rank I should point out that he did not have. I love doing it, Joe. Yeah, uh, he just kind of gave it to himself, uh, and he was a lieutenant commander, uh, and he had been temporarily promoted to full commander for the length of the mission. So he skipped of the ranks of commander, captain, commodore, and rear admiral on his way to promotion. Good for him, man. Previous to this, he, he also uh, insisted someone called him rear admiral too. I mean, I guess when you're, when you're faking it, aim high, right? Right. Oh, that totally makes sense. As if this isn't weird enough, uh, he had his African valet sew him his new rank. Cause he had, of course, you know, he's, he's a vice admiral. He has to have the rank to go along with this, right? So he, he tells his valet to to sew this rank onto his short, shoulder board so he can you know, show it uh, thusly. Yeah, proper, and of course, proper. this is a problem. This, this African valet has no fucking idea of the ranks of the Royal Navy. Uh, so he's sewn one shoulder rank of a lieutenant and one of a major, one in the Navy and one Marine rank, both of which were wrong and did not match, which honestly is fine. I would like to believe he did that on That's purpose funny. to just embarrass yeah. him. Yeah, good. Now, there are already two men wearing kilts. Uh, however, he changed into a skirt. This was not a kilt. This was a skirt that his wife had made for him. All right. Yeah. Way to shoe gender roles, bud. 
Yeah, uh, the the Belgian officers of the Force Publique, which is like the Belgian Congo's military, called him uh, like roughly translated as like uh, the skirt commander or the dress commander. Well, I don't know. It was kind of funny. Or uh, seems to be called, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, so when the force public met with uh, met, met with the British Navy here, if you want to call this the British Navy, uh, they met with the spicy. What resembles the British Navy? The, the Wish.com version of the British Navy. Oh, yeah. We are on Alibaba Express. Where's it going? <laughs> they met Spicy and they saw him drinking tea with Josephine the Chimp in his personal officer's hut while wearing a, a dress. It's, it had to be a fucking scene. Amazing. And then uh, on the distance on Lake Tanganyika, they saw the German war steamer, the Kingani. And finally, they had found the war. And that is where we will pick up next time. So how are you feeling about spicy so far? Uh, Dude's rock, both in good. You know, the dude's rock spectrum is complex. Uh, We can't pretend to understand it, um, but it's pretty fucking funny. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And honestly, I think... His 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 dude's spec his dude's rock spectrum uh, test will be complete next episode. I'm not only saying that because it's it's a two parter, but I'm saying that because like I don't know like he uh, he does it, he shows himself to not be a complete piece of shit. And it's kind of hard to tell. Like he's he's a complicated man. Most people are. Uh, most of us also don't have chimp ballets or whatever's going on. Uh, I th- I believe Josephine's just a friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's tough, man. I want to tough out there for a chimp. Can't even get a job in the Navy. So Liam, thank you for joining me as always. Plug your shows. Like I had a choice. Um, yeah. Uh, well, there's your problem, which is a leftist engineering disasters podcast with slides and 10,000 losses, which is a leftist Philly sports podcast, pro labor, all that good stuff. All right. Uh, everybody, thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode. If you like what we do here, consider donating to the show. You get a ton of bonus money. stuff, even for just a dollar. Um, and if you don't want to spend your money, uh, reviews are free and they help us. Leave us a review. Um, Buy something for our uh, Teespring store. Uh, check out our Teespring store. Check out my books. Um, and until next time. Uh, get yourself uh, a monkey butler. Get get yourself a monkey butler. (laughs)